Hey, welcome to part two of our series entitled Funny Money. And this is a series to help you financially. But honestly, this, this is going to help you in every area of your life. And I want to encourage all of you to really understand that the principles that God gives you in the Word is going to help you for wherever you are in ministry, whether you're just starting off with your relationship with God, whether you've been walking for a while. Um, we, we, we need to make sure that this area is good when it comes to our walk with God. And I love, I love the season of the year. I love Christmas time. It really is, I feel like, the best season of the year. But I love the fact that this church is so generous. Like, you're generous all year long. But what I really love is that during this season, we really ramp up our generosity. And what we do each year is we take a legacy offering. It's going to be the first Sunday, December 4th, in December. And what we're going to do is we're going to take this money and we, we use it to push the vision forward of the church. And uh, then we begin to look at areas that we can invest in of compassion here locally. Uh, we, we go to some of the places nationally and then internationally. So it's a time for us to really invest in what God's doing, not just here, but around the globe. So mark that on your calendars, begin to pray about what God would have us invest in that. And, and we're coming up to a season, though, where a lot of people, they get in debt during this season of Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year, but then a lot of people struggle with January thinking, oh, dear God, what did I spend money on? Why did, I, why did we go in debt on this? And so as a church, we're here to help you navigate through the season, and we want to give you some biblical principles to hopefully help you avoid some of these pitfalls, all right? So we're here to help you. This is a, a way out series. And let's look at Haggai in your notes, Haggai chapter 1, verse 7. It reads, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. So God is talking. Give careful thought. Everyone say thought. Give careful thought to your ways. In other words, it begins with your thinking. You need to start off with how we think about stuff. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're never warm. And tell me if this sounds familiar to anybody. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. How many can relate to that? You're like, I have a paycheck. Where's the money go? I have no idea. God says in verse 7, this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. Could it be, ladies and gentlemen, that we have been going our own way for such a long time and it's not working? Maybe it's time that we give some careful thought to this and say, God, help us to go your way. If this sounds familiar to anybody, like you're earning money and you don't know where your money's going and you're in debt, maybe we need some new thinking. And if you get this, let me, let me tell you, if you get this, I'm telling you, it'll help every part of your life. Your life, your health, your marriage. Come on, somebody. I'm just telling you, 64% of divorces attribute the divorce to financial problems. This can affect a lot of areas in your life because people feel trapped. My wife and I, when we were in Seattle a few years back, decided to go on a date. Decided to be romantic and take her out for a romantic dinner because that's the kind of guy I am. So we go into a parking garage, we've never been here before, eight stories. And the reason I know there's eight stories, and I'll fill you in in just a moment of why I know that. We pull in, and we end up on the fourth floor. We get out of the door, out of the car, 
we open up the door, close the door, hold hands, we're walking around, and I look over on the one side of the parking garage, there's an elevator, but it's way too far. The staircase is right here. So I'm like, let's burn some calories. We didn't go to the gym today, we're going to eat tonight, let's just burn some calories, we'll take the stairs. So we go in, I open the door for her, because again, I'm a gentleman. She goes through first, I go in second. We proceed to go down the staircase. We sing a little bit because the acoustics in stairways is amazing. We walk all the way down to the first floor, and when we get to the first floor, I jiggle the handle, and the handle is locked. No problem. Go up to the second story. I walk up to the second story. I jiggle the handle. The door is locked. I go up to the third story. The third story, door, handle, is locked. I go back to the original floor that we entered the stairwell, staircase in. It is also locked. Now Diane is starting to panic. <clears throat> we go to the sixth, fifth floor, locked. Sixth floor, locked. Seventh floor, locked. Eighth floor, it's locked. It's locked. It's all locked. And die. Then I get this look, this judgmental look from my wife. She's like, only you, Sean, only you. And I'm like, what? I didn't lock the doors. Why are you blaming me? Somehow this is my fault. Can I hear a good amen from all the fellas? It's always our fault. She's like, only you, Sean, only you. So she just sits down. She's like, this is ridiculous. There's no cell phone coverage because we're in a brick, I mean, a, a concrete jungle. And so I, there's no cell phone coverage. 20 minutes we're stuck in this stairwell. We go back down to the original floor, four, fourth floor. And, and I'm trying to figure out, like, I, I used my credit card trick because I saw that on TV one time. That didn't work. I just ruined a credit card, a debit card. I don't have a credit card. Praise the Lord. And then, then we just sit down. We're like, this is ridiculous. We're laughing. Now we're rationing. Like, how many mints do you have? I got three Tic Tacs and, the, and some gum. That's going to last us for three weeks. You know, all of this is going through our minds. We're going to die here. This is, this is how it ends. We hear some people in the garage. And I'm pounding on the door, but nobody hears. They just keep walking by. And then I hear footsteps of a woman. And, and I can tell it's a woman because it's, it's kind of like the high heels. And there is an inch gap on the bottom of the door. Now, I humble myself. And I get on my hands and knees. And I put my lips down by this one inch, and I'm like, this is so dumb, but I hear her walking, and I'm like this, help, <laughs> help, please, please, and I hear the footsteps stop, and then I'm like, uh, excuse me, we're stuck in the stairwell, we can't get out, please, can you come open the door, and she pauses, <laughs> she doesn't move, so I know she's contemplating, should I do this? which is even more awkward because I'm like, it, it's for real. <laughs> like, we're not, we're not going to hurt you. Just please follow my voice. Follow my voice. So she comes over. She opens the door. I, I give her a big hug. I'm like, thank you, freedom. And I'm screaming freedom through the entire garage as it echoes through the hallways. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we were trapped for like 20, 30 minutes. And I had to humble myself, get on my knees, and stick my, my mouth between the two-inch door like, oh. Can I tell you, that's how a lot of people feel financially. They just feel so trapped. They feel alone. The problem, though, is they're not asking for help, and nobody's volunteering to help them. 
They're not crying out, help, help, help. They're not crying out, help. And I'm just telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we need to get this right. And part of my profession, sometimes it bothers me with guys and ladies in my profession because many times when they talk about this kind of stuff, money, it's usually just to tell you, give more, give more, do more, do more. And I'm like, can we help them first? (laughs) Can we help people find some freedom first? People feel so trapped, and when you say, hey, there's an opportunity to be generous, there's an opportunity to give, many times we can't even process that because all we're thinking is how we're struggling, barely making it, trapped. I don't think most Christians are stingy. I think most Christians are strapped, and they can't get past this. And I want to help you get some freedom in this area. Does that sound all right? I want to help you get some freedom in this area so that when opportunity comes to be a blessing, we are actually in a position where we could do that. Somebody say a good amen. Our job as a church is to take you on a journey, to take you on a journey, and God's Word is what brings freedom. God's Word has a lot to say about this, by the way. How many think prayer is important? Prayer, prayer, prayer is important? Okay, why do we think it's important? Because it's in the Bible. Well, guess what? God's Word talks five times more about stuff, giving, and possessions than prayer. More than heaven and hell combined. 16 out of the 38 parables of Jesus talked about money, giving, possessions. Why? Because Jesus knew if you can get this area right, and if he can be first in this area, it's going to affect a lot of the other areas of your life, and it's going to help. Now, the problem, biggest problem is debt. We get into a lot of debt, and the majority of debt is very, very bad. And here's what happens. A lot of people, we get in debt, and we just think this is normal. This is the normal part of life, to get in debt for stuff we want, buy the shoes, buy the car, buy this and buy that, and people just rack up the debt. Okay, listen, if that's normal, I don't want to be normal. Anybody else with me? Like, we've just been fed a lot, and we, we, we have some wrong thinking on this matter. We've had some wrong modeling on this matter. I mean, come on, our nation is $20 trillion in debt. I can't even fathom, tri- what comes after trillion? Scrillion? That's a lot of cheddar, man. That's a lot of money. It can't, you can't keep doing that. At some point, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fall apart. Well, the problem is we follow that even personally. A lot of us get so much in debt, and we just think, well, just, we'll just keep paying a minimum payment, and it's growing, and you're, you end up paying so much more for stuff than you would have, and you, it becomes like a noose around your neck. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, God wants you to be free. There used to be a time where you didn't buy something. If you didn't have money, you just didn't buy it. If you didn't have something, you go to the store. Here's what you do. You go to the store back in the day, and if you wanted a new dryer and you couldn't afford it right now, you put $100 down, and you say, hey, don't, buy, don't sell this to anybody else. And every month, you put $100 down. Anybody know what that's called? Layaway. We used to lay away. Now we just charge away. Because we want it now. We don't want to wait. And I'm just telling you, it's dangerous. It's, consumer debt is at an all-time high. It used to be when you, paid, when you made that final payment for the dryer with layaway, what you bought was brand new. Now when you make that final payment on consumer debt, let me tell you, you don't even know where it is. You sold it. It broke down. You gave it away. You ate it. I mean, it's gone by the time you pay it off. And I'm just telling you, everybody, God wants some freedom in this area. Most people, most people are struggling in this area, and I, wanna, I want you to find some freedom, hope, and healing in this area too. But we have to ask ourselves this first question. 
How did we get here? How did we get here? And explain this, let's look at a story in the Bible where Jesus is telling a story in the, about a, a guy who had two sons. The guy, the father represents God, and the two sons, that's you and me. And he's saying this story in Luke 15. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two boys. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate right now. Now, look at me for just a moment. You have to understand, this would have been like walking up to his father, slapping him in the face and saying, I wish you were dead. Like in this culture, I don't want to wait for my inheritance. When you die, I want it right now. Give me my money. Now, here's what happened. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. The boy went la vida loca. <laughs> after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine, say famine, in that whole country, and he began to be in need. Really, he was in need the entire time. He's just now seeing it. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Now, in this culture, they would have had nothing to do with pigs because in, in this culture, pigs represented something that was unclean. And I'm just telling you, this boy was at his lowest. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Can you imagine how desperate this boy was? He came from a place where his father took care of his every need, and now he's feeding pigs and looking at what the pigs are eating and like, mm, I wish I had some of that. Now, I've, I've seen some pigs, and I've been hungry. I've never looked at what pigs are eating and thinking to myself, hmm, I want some of that. I looked at the pigs instead, I want some of that, but I've never looked at what they were eating. Come on, pork chop. <laughs> Can you see how desperate this boy is? And the arrogance of this young kid. He, he got all his money, but the money didn't make him happy, and a famine hit. Listen to me. A famine usually hits after we make these wrong turns. Even in our nation, people are like, Sean, what do you think politically? I don't like what's going on politically at all. I don't like who we have to choose from at all. But I'm just telling you, I hate the unnecessary pain that it causes, but can I be really honest? I think you should still vote because whoever, whatever president comes in is going to elect the next two to seven Supreme Court justices that will rule for life. I'm just telling you, it's, a, it's an important election even if you don't like who you're voting for. But I don't like the unnecessary pain that we're in in our nation, but honestly, God can use it. I'm not worried about it one bit because I know God is still on the throne no matter who gets voted in. And here's what else I know. I know that God can use a famine. God can use this and get our attention to make us understand that it's not a man or a woman that can fix a nation on earth. It is Jesus Christ, and we ought to run back to him. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? That's what happened to the boy. He got so desperate, he was like, I'm just going to go home. I'm just going to return to my father. And this is what we all need to take a lesson from. The purpose of this message is to help you find a way out and stay out. But here's what he did. The boy tried a physical, a physical remedy before he tried a spiritual remedy. And he ended up with the pigs. Can I just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that's wherever the devil leads, it always leads us there, to a desperate place. Always, every time. And when you look at, what you're, what, at this story, you have to ask yourself, how did we get here? Okay, number one, write this down. Here's how we got here. We believed a lie. We believed a lie. 
The son believed a lot that if he had the money and the friends and all that, it would make him happy. He would be fulfilled, and it didn't work. Why? Because the devil lied to him. The devil is a liar. He's a liar, liar, and his pants are probably even on fire. He will tell you something that's not true. If you just had more of this, if you just had this person, then you'd be satisfied. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Fulfillment does not come from more of something. It comes from more of someone, and that someone is Jesus Christ. And until that happens, until he's first in every area of your life, there will be a lack and a void and a God-sized hole that only God can fill. Why are we here? I'll tell you why. Because we're self-absorbed. I didn't get an amen on that one. Amen, Sean, good preaching. We don't want to admit it. And at the root of selfishness is pride. Pride is at the root of every sin. Look at me, everybody. It's important. Something sneaks in and tells us, you deserve that. You earned that. You worked hard. You need to. Whether in money or any other area of life. Listen, this can apply to any other area. Pride comes in and says, you need this. Look at Proverbs chapter 16. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before the fall. A pride comes in and says, you need this. You need more. Don't be satisfied with what you have. You need more. You need something else. You need bigger. You need better. You need prettier. You need all of this. And I'm just telling you, contentment fights against the spirit. Contentment where you come and just say, Lord, I'm so grateful for what I already have. Come on, somebody. When you're so grateful and you can't believe that God has given you something that you already have, you won't be coveting for anything else. I think we ought to get rid of pride and come back and just thank God for who he is and what he's given us in our life. Come on, take three seconds and just give God praise for what you already have. Thankfulness, gratefulness. So thankful, God, for everything you've given me. That will fight against you coveting for more. That's the trick. We, we believe the lie. And pride sneaks in. Larry Stockstill, he said this, that a man on his face can never fall from that position. Stay low. Stay low. Get low. Get low. Stay low. (laughs) Don't let pride sneak in. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't let pride sneak in and say, you deserve it. Let's thank God for his grace. Let's thank God for his mercy. Come on, if God never did another thing, he would still be worthy of a life of praise. He's been so good. Thank God. Well, you can hide stuff, but you can't hide pride. And if you've ever seen uh, an insecure person, someone who's boasting all the time, this pride is at the issue of that. And if you let pride have its way, you're going to be in trouble. Now, you can still get out of that. But if you don't, write this down, it leads to self-destructive behavior. This leads then to self-destructive behavior. You believe a lie, it goes to the next step. And we begin to live our lives very undisciplined. Can I just tell you, the moment you stop praying every day, reading your Bible every day, going to church, serving, taking care of your soul, I'm telling you, you'll start to do stuff that you never wanted to do. Many of us have just begun to live a very undisciplined life, and we begin to justify stuff. Look at this, Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that appears to be right. Like, yeah, this seems right. Everybody's going on this path. Look at the next part of the verse. It leads in destruction. It's death. It looks right at first. Don't go down that road. It leads to a cliff. And you you can catch yourself before you fall off the cliff, ladies and gentlemen. 
But for some of you, you've just mismanaged your life. It's okay because you're in a good spot to come back and say, God, in humility, I want to add the stuff back in that has slipped out of first place, and I want you first again. And if you don't, if you don't correct it there, you go on to this, sec, this next point where we isolate ourselves from those who can help us. We isolate ourselves from those who can help us. We isolate and we insulate. You don't want anybody to know that you're struggling. You don't want anybody to know what you're going through. I'm talking about you isolate from both God and people. It's like, I can't go to church. Why? Because I messed up. Well, it, can God only see you if you're at church? Like, he knows you got in debt at home. <laughs> he was there when you swiped the card. Help me, Lord Jesus. Help there be enough funds. I'm just telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we all know what it's like to wear a mask. Everybody knows what that feels like. And if you don't show somebody else what's on the other side of that mask, you're going to be in trouble. That's why small groups are so vitally important. Why every one of us should not look at small groups as an option. It ought to be a mandate. It, it should not be something that we just think, well, I'll get to it when we get to it. You need it for yourself. You need this as much as everybody else. Because we can't do life alone. Don't isolate yourself. Proverbs 18, look at this. It says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. Like, we, be, we get real selfish when we do life alone. I'm just going to seek my own desires, whatever I want to do. Watch this. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Not scary. You know why? Because he has no other voices speaking into him. He just breaks out, does whatever he wants to do, and he's going to end up in trouble. My job is to help you, church, as a pastor. I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. I'm trying to help you with this series. Is it helping, yes or no? Next, we find ourselves in a desperate place. We find ourselves in a desperate place. This is the prodigal son. The story, the boy. He's feeding pigs for crying out loud. In the mud. He's having a mud bath, but not the kind from Calistoga and Napa. <laughs> he is desperate, and, and he doesn't know what to do. We've all been there, too. We know what it's like to be unsatisfied and unfulfilled. And when it comes to our money, listen, I remember when I was 18 years old. I got first, when I first turned 18, I got a credit card in the mail. And there was something inside of me that felt happy about that. I felt like I'm grown. Why do, we, why do we believe the lie that when you're 18, you get a credit card, somehow that means you're grown? That doesn't mean you're grown. That's going to mean you're going to be trapped. You rip that sucker up. You know, the average American now has 16 credit cards. 16 credit cards. Stay debt free. Stay smart. Don't go, don't, don't go over your head. I'm just telling you, stay smart. Salesmen will come to you. They're tricky. They'll tell you how this can work. Let me show you on paper. Here's the monthly payment. It can work. Just because it says so on paper does not mean you should take it. I'm telling you, stay free. Run, Forrest, run. Don't even tell the salesman anything. I remember I almost bought a car I didn't even want. I was 16 years old, went to a sales event, and this guy was talking me into a car. I didn't even want the car. And I was like, well, I just don't know if I need to call my mom. He was like, here, here's a cell phone. Call her right now. Let's do the deal. I just ran, like the little white boy on the Huxtable family. I just ran home. <laughs> you don't have to give him an explanation. Just turn and walk away. <laughs> I don't even know where that stuff comes from. You should hear half the conversations that go on in my head. Lots of voices. <laughs> Psalm 88 says, you, you have made my friends to loathe me, and they have gone away. I'm in a trap with no way out. 
Can I just ask, have you ever felt that way? I'm, over, I'm in over my head. There's no way out. There's no way this is ever going to work. There's no way it's changing. Listen, if you feel that way, this message is dedicated to you. This series is dedicated to you. If you've ever felt hopeless, like there's no way out morally, financially, relationally, emotionally, I'm here to tell you as long as Jesus is still in the equation, there's always going to be hope. Jesus Christ is the way out. Psalm 34 verse 18 says this, The Lord is near to those who are discouraged. He saves those who have lost all hope. He saves those who lose it all. No hope. God says, I'm right here. I'm right here. Listen, when my girls mess up, when they make a bad decision, that's when I'm the closest. That's when I'm nearest to them. And I look at them and I say, listen, you need me. Listen, you need me more than ever right now. And I'm here to tell you, God's never going to let you down. There will always be a way of escape. Trust God. He's got this and he's got you. You have not gone too far. You've not done too much for the long arm of the Lord to reach right down where you are and rescue and save your life. Come on, is there anybody in the room that's grateful we have a God who can rescue and save? Is there anybody in this room you've experienced God coming to your rescue? Come on. He's here. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to let you down, but we need to turn to him. There's hundreds and thousands of people in this church who God has rescued and saved. Listen to me. It's never too late to start doing what's right. We, we begin to feel trapped. We feel like there's no way out. It's too late. It's not, it's not too late. Start doing what's right today. The prodigal son, he's there in the mud. And the Bible says in verse 17, when he came to his senses... Just shook himself out of it. That moment when you begin to realize, I'm not living the life I want to live. I'm praying that we have an uh-oh moment. In this meeting, Luke chapter 15, verse 17 says, when he came to his senses, he said to himself, man, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father. That's a good first step. Go back to the Father. We talk about God that way. And say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Verse 20 says, so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off. In other words, he had not arrived yet. He didn't fix himself yet. He didn't do any of this yet. He just started the journey. His father saw him and was so filled with compassion. Say compassion. Compassion for him. He ran to his son. Listen, back in this culture, fathers and people in a dignified state did not run for anything, but this, this father ran for his son, which makes me believe that he was probably out there looking for his boy. Like, is today the day my son will return? Is today the day that my son's going to come back? He ran to him, threw his arms around him, kissed him, and the son started his speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father interrupts his speech, takes his cue cards and three-by-five cards, throws them on the ground and says, Ladies and gentlemen, my son who was dead is now alive. My son who was lost is now found. Kill the fatted calf because we're having filet mignon tonight. And he threw a party because his son came home. Listen to me. I remember I was at an airport, and I came back. It was in Sacramento Airport, and, and I was coming down an escalator where people meet their friends and family. 
because you can't go through security. Now, as I was there, I was coming down, and nobody greeted me because my assistant, um, the person who was picking me up, gave her the wrong time. I, was, I gave them the wrong time. I, they were late. So I sat there, and I just decided to watch everybody. I like people watching. Anybody else people watch? I love that. I'm watching you right now. I sat there, and I saw a guy give some roses to his girlfriend, apparently, and that was sweet. I saw a couple of people, friends, they were excited. Apparently, a friend was coming for the weekend or something like that. And then I saw this anxious father pacing back and forth. He was a big, muscular guy. He was pacing back and forth. He looked very anxious. And I was wondering, what in the world is this guy doing? And then it all became very apparent as coming down the escalator, was a 20-something young man in army uniform. And the dad ran to his son. And they, I mean, it was the biggest, manliest hug I've ever seen. Just, he grabbed him, and they hugged, and they were shaking. They were hugging so tight. And they're crying, just crying. Everybody else is videotaping. They're crying. And I'm looking at that thinking, man, nobody came to greet me. I just wanted, like, let's just do a group hug. Can I get in on this? Like, I wanted some. In that moment, my mind went to Luke 15. As this father who had been waiting, he couldn't force his son to come home. Son was in over his head and he knew it. Every day he's wondering, is this the day? Is today the day my son would return? And when he finally saw him, a way off. His son didn't come and grovel at his feet. He wouldn't even let him do that. He didn't even finish his speech. And the father forgave him, gave him grace and said, you're not going to come back as a servant. You're coming back as a son. Gave him a signet ring, gave him a new robe of royalty, gave him food to eat and said, I'm replacing you and restoring your original position of honor in this house. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, why do we wait so long to come back to God? Amen. He's not going to accept me. I've gone too far. I don't know what to do. I'm in over my head. There's no way I'll never be restored. Maybe I'll just, maybe I'll just come back. And the day you take one step towards God, I tell you the Father comes running to your rescue. He loves you. He pours grace over your life. And He wants to restore you to the original place of honor. Is there anybody in here that's grateful we have a God of grace? A God of great mercy. Come on, let's really clap our hands. We have an amazing opportunity to come back to God. So thankful for this. So thankful for the heart of God. So thankful that in our deepest need, when we are drowning, whatever area, it could be, it could be other areas of life, but particularly we're talking about debt, we're talking about being desperate, here's the way out, okay? Here it is, here it is. We run to God, and number one, we admit where we are. That's what the prodigal son did. Dad, I messed up. Could we just admit that? The first step is don't allow pride to sneak in. You know, when it comes to debt, and things get out of control. We're, just, we're spending so much money trying to impress people we don't even like. Can't sleep at night. Can we just say, God, here I am. I messed up. I, I, tell God how much you need Him. And Psalm 51 is a great verse. 
If you've ever blown it, which I have, I've read that verse as a prayer to God. Psalm 51, the entire chapter is awesome. He starts off crying out for mercy. God, don't give me what I deserve. And then he comes in verse 5 and says, I've been out of step with you for a long time. In the wrong since before I was born. What you're after is truth from the inside out. Can we just be honest and say, God, I'm in a mess. Let's just start with admitting that. And then we need to do what the prodigal son did. He didn't just have a feeling. He did it. A lot of people have a feeling but then do nothing. Can I tell you, environments don't change people. A lot of people were in the environment of Jesus and left unchanged. It's not the environment of church that changes people. It's the decisions you make in the environment that makes you change on the way out. So number two, you need to get a plan. Get a plan. What steps will you take today? The son had one, and I want to encourage you to have one. Do something today. Start today. Proverbs 27 verse 12 says, the prudent see danger and take refuge. Like they see it. I'm not going to go that way. But the simple keep going and pay the penalty. The simple just keep going down. You know, sheep, we're called sheep in the Bible. That's not a compliment. Like sheep are the dumbest animals on the animal planet. <clears throat> They'll bang their head up against the rock and the other guys see it and like, that's cool. And they start doing it too. <laughs> Bloody. One sheep will go off a cliff and the others will just follow. Like they're, they're not smart. They need a shepherd. And he said, the simple, we just keep going down the same way. And I want to encourage you, if you've been going down the same way with debt, let's stop. Let's turn around. Let's admit it. Let's get a plan. And that's why it's important. We want to help you as a church with that next step. You need a small group. This is, again, this should not be like, hey, this is just something I'll think about doing. It ought to be something we want to do. We are, we're praying, Lord, help me to be a blessing to somebody else to do. And then go through our growth track. The next growth track starts the first Sunday of November. Join the church. Don't be on the fringe. Listen, if, if, if I was in an animal planet and I was a, an animal and the predators were on the outside, I would not be on the fringe. I want to be smack dab in the middle of the herd. That's the safest place. Join the church, then get on our dream team and begin to serve because you'll never make a difference. You'll never know what that feels like until you're making a difference in people's lives. We want to help you. Proverbs 27, 12 talks about that. And hey, listen, we have a small group of several small groups that you can get in, but a couple of them are geared around financial peace. You can get in this, this small group today, like join it today. And then we're going to do a one-day financial seminar to help you in January after the storms, teach you how to tithe and put God first and then save and then pay yourself, you know what I'm saying? And then refuse to get into debt and, and, and create margin and how to pay down debt. Angela Collier, she, she coined this phrase that Dave Ramsey made popular. She said this, that debt is bad, saving is good, giving is fun, and stuff is meaningless. I'll say it again. Debt is bad, giving, a saving is, is good, giving is fun, and stuff is meaningless. We want to help you learn these principles. Number three, start today. Start today. Get a plan. Start today. You can take baby steps towards this. Can I give you a word of advice? Move while you're motivated. We get motivated at church, move then. Go do something now. Don't wait till Friday when you've been stressed out again. 
Move while you're motivated. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Right now, right now. Somebody say right now. Amen. Number four, humbly ask God for help. Humbly ask God for help. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life in every area. First Peter 5 says this, that God opposes the proud but shows favor or grace to the humble. God never jumps down the throat of anybody who's humble. He resists pride. But if you come to him with humble, he's attracted to humble. He resists pride. Goes on to say, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because you have a God who cares for you. Write this last point down. God's way works. God's way just works. I'm praying that all of us would enter a new season, even in this area of our life, that we put God first again and say, Lord, we admit where we are. We're going to ask you for help. We're humbly coming to you. God, help us. Get a plan. We need a way out. And I promise you, he starts racing and running to you like the father in that story to help restore your life in Jesus' name.